Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The Braves Radio Network channel on the podcast park is brought to you by Truist Bank. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. This is Atlanta's exclusive home for Atlanta Braves baseball, bringing you the latest on the Braves all year. Now the fan presents the Braves Clubhouse Report. I fly ball, deep left center. That one's arcing toward the stands. It's gone. Presented by Arrow Exterminators. Call 888-GO-ARROW or visit arrowexterminators.com. Smashed high in the air, deep right field, out to the chop house, and it's gone. This is the home of the Braves, the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. Now, the Braves Clubhouse Report. Hope you're having a great Thursday. Typically with you Wednesdays, 2 to 2.30. It's the Braves Clubhouse Report. Alongside Wiley Ballard, Kevin McAlpin here with you till the bottom of the hour, getting you up to speed on all things Braves, as we are now just a couple of weeks away from the start of the regular season. Braves win split squad action today in Northport, taking on Team Puerto Rico. They're also taking on the Blue Jays as well. We'll get you up to speed on what's going on with both Spencer Strider and Max Fried coming up here in just a little while. Later on, we will dive into more of the World Baseball Classic, some of the teams we're looking forward to seeing. And boy, Wiley, there is some serious star power when you start talking about these rosters and these lineups, and we'll dive into that as well. One of those was on display in Northport yesterday. Braves got a real good look at the Dominican Republic team who took it to a... Uh, sort of undermanned Braves lineup, I'll say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It was, uh, look, that's uh, that's a group I think I saw was uh, Mark Bowman uh, had the Brian Snicker quote about Walt Weiss uh, wanted to hit that lineup card and get it autographed uh, right. by all the Dominican Republic players because they're going to be in the Hall of Fame in right. a number of years. So, <laughs> no, I'm really excited. This is a fun event. Um, I remember uh, I remember vividly, I don't remember the first one, but I remember in 2009, Brian McCann was on the team. I was, uh, you know, probably at some point either uh, – late middle school, early high school, but uh, it's exciting, man. And I, I go back to, you know, I, you watch winter ball uh, over, you know, over the off season mm-hmm. every once in a while and, and the place is just going nuts. It feels like a world cup atmosphere and the WBC is pretty much the closest we get to that. And, and uh, as far as stateside, and I'm especially excited uh, for the U S Mexico matchup Sunday night, it'll be in Phoenix. Um, obviously, you know, Phoenix is going to have uh, not only a lot of Mexican Americans, but, um, Mexican immigrants, uh, along with probably some people coming out from south of the border to see that game. So I know it's a later start, unfortunately, because out there out west, but I'm excited. And, and, and to me, it's, you know, ever since, uh, you know, baseball got dropped from the Olympics, I guess, 20 years ago now or, or thereabouts, um, you know, I think it's something that I, th- I, th- I think our sport needs. Um, and, and I think it's something that uh, is, is going to really be a positive. When you start looking at what the, especially the USA team looks like, a potential lineup for the Team USA. You're looking at guys like Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt, JT Real Muto, Jeff McNeil. I mean, top to bottom, there is star power after star power in that lineup, including a couple of guys who've gotten $300 plus million contracts in their back pocket as well. So it's hard to say that the USA is not a team that should be one of the top favorites. But again, then when you start comparing it, 
And again, that that Dominican team, I, you're right. It's gonna that's Hall of Famer yeah. after Hall of Famer. Yeah. Bona fide Hall of Famers in that lineup every single day. So it's going to be fun to follow. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Team USA get out there because this is probably, and again, I, I don't know how closely people follow the World Baseball Classic, but this is probably the deepest lineup and deepest roster that the U.S. has ever had. And I think it was, and, well, and, and just jump back to what I said earlier, obviously the U.S. baseball team was in, the, was in the gold medal game this past Olympics. But over that 20-year stretch, why the, the reason the, the World Baseball Classic got put into place is because we lack the international stage from a competition standpoint. And you get to see a bunch of big leaguers in this event, whereas the Olympics is more minor league guys and prospects. But um, as far as, as the U.S. lineup goes, I think that was kind of a, a trend that was kind of started by Mike Trout, man. Yeah. I mean, he kind of came out and said, like, yeah, like, we're, we're going for this. Like, this is not, you know, one of those where we're just, you know, like, you know see who wants to play and some guys will opt out. And, um, you know, I, I know the other thing that's, that struck me, a lot of executives have come out and pointed out that some of the younger players, you know, a guy like uh, Bobby Witt Jr., getting a chance to, to be on that team, you know, granted he's not going to get as many at bats with team USA in the world baseball classic as he would have gotten, you know, in Kansas city Royal spring training, but just being around the clubhouse with those leaders and those superstars and kind of picking up some, some tips and some, and some habits just by osmosis, I think is going to benefit uh, some of the young players who are on that squad. But no, I, there's no question. I, I think Mike Trout set the tone early uh, when, when he, said he was playing, and, and there's been a lot of momentum uh, to get a lot of the stars on these teams. And, uh, I mean, heck, Shohei Otani dropping in <laughs> 100 yesterday. Uh, saw that. Yeah. So I, it's exciting. It, I think the level of interest has only increased because the players seem to care more and more uh, because it's been around now for 20 years. The right. first couple of years, it kind of felt a little exhibition, you know, a, a little bit of flavor of that. But now you've got young guys or guys who are in the prime of their careers who grew up watching the event. And now they get a chance to play, and it means a little more. You know what's interesting is once the spring training game started a couple of weeks ago, you and I talked about it on this show. We said there's going to be a lot more intrigue because there's oh, new yeah. rules. There's no <laughs> shifting. There's the pitch clock, which we will talk about the pitch clock coming up a little bit later on in our show. And I'm going to give you some numbers, okay. spring training numbers that okay. were pulled from last year to this year. And there is a stark difference between uh, a lot of different numbers there. We'll get to that later on. But what's interesting is in the World Baseball Classic, those rules don't apply. So for the last two weeks, you've had pitchers that have been changing their mechanics, been changing their delivery routines, and now they can go back to their old. It, what I don't understand is, I, I think, and again, it's hard to do because it's international competition, but boy, I wonder how many guys are going to just be spinning their heads going, wait, what, what rules are we, are we playing under now? No, so, and I, it's got to be an interesting yes, adjustment. And, I, and I'm sure there's a certain level of you know the World Baseball Classic. They didn't want to make that quick pivot like Major League Baseball did. And look, I mean... We can sit here and say the World Baseball Classic is a glorified exhibition. I don't know. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle between, you know, it's, is, is it a World Series championship? No, but it's, it, I think the guys who view it or, or play in it take it pretty seriously, and, and the people who run it take it really seriously, yeah. too. So they don't want to have the stuff like what we've seen these first couple weeks of spring training where a game's ending on a called strike three because of a batter time <laughs> violation or, you know, any, any anything like that. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm also curious because there's, I mean, last I heard, you know, Jazz Chisholm, uh, who will be playing in the World Baseball Classic, you know, he was going to play the infield in the World Baseball Classic. And for the Marlins, they're trying to put him in center field. Right. He's losing reps in center field over this time period because he's playing in the WBC. So, you know, I do think whether it's, it's it's the new rules or for guys making positional changes that are not going to practice those in the World Baseball Classic, uh, it could impact some teams. And, and I think, to, to be honest with you, the Braves probably stand to be less impacted than most just because they don't have as much representation at the top of their uh, 
uh, roster. Yeah, basically you have Ronald Acuna playing for Venezuela, yep. and you've got uh, Eddie Rosario playing for Puerto Rico, who's down 5 nothing to the Braves <laughs> in Northport today. It's an exhibition game at Cool Today Park, but really those are your two regulars. Now, I know a lot of other teams have handfuls oh, yeah. of, of everyday guys, and I think back to, gosh, this was probably seven, eight years ago now. We were at spring training. It was in Orlando. And talking to some folks in the front office and talking to coaching staffs, I said, is this, is this fun for you guys? Like, do you, do you enjoy sitting back and watching your players in international competition? And not one of them said yes. They're like, no, we're not going to sleep until we get our players back and know that they're back with us and that they're healthy and that they can go through our program. So I thought it was smart to, to start things out early for those guys. They could get their reps in with their respective teams. But if there's anybody who doesn't like the WBC, it's managers and general managers because those guys are not going to sleep until all of their guys are present and accounted for and most importantly healthy back in their respective camps well and when, when you're in those roles you know whether it's in a front office or, or on a coaching staff I mean a big part of your job is trying to plan for what might go wrong right, right? and so <laughs> you're already kind of worried about we already see I mean, heck Carlos Rodon's going to start the season on the injured list that, that, that came out today uh, he's got a forearm strain or maybe it's an elbow strain some somewhere in there on the arm but um yeah, when you're in those roles, you're just constantly worried about what can go wrong. I mean, you worry about guys, are they traveling safely to camp? Mm-hmm. And so now you add in, you know, not just um, leaving your complex and leaving your your oversight, but going to play in some pretty high-intensity games. I mean, again, Otani's blown out 100, and it's March. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, guys are playing to win. And, that's and, you know, and again, I think that's that's important, um, you know, for, from an entertainment value. And also, I mean, the players care. I mean, I, I go back to your point about the roster and what the U.S. has put together. I mean, they're, they're not doing that because there's a bunch of you know extra bonuses that are going to be thrown at them for playing the WBC. I think it's because they want to care and they want to win. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's just it's I think it's for the good of the game. But good luck telling that to, to an executive whose job's on the line and, you know, star player gets hurt or star pitcher goes down or whatever. I mean, you know. It might be for the good of the game. It's bad for me. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad for our team. You mentioned Carlos Rodon. Another New York pitcher is sideline. We know Mets starter Jose Quintana, yeah. who they uh, got brought him over in the offseason, was expected to pitch for Team Columbia. He's dealing with a fracture on his fifth rib on his left side. He might not be ready to start the regular season. So those are two, and that, that's a that puts into a question now, okay, what are the Mets going to do with their fifth spot? Because they had basically had him penciled in there as, as a guy they could rely on every five days. I suppose it's going to be Tyler McGill yeah. would, would be the next guy up. But, you know, I think that, you know, the Mets, it's funny. For all the all the uh, hand-wringing there was about their rotation and who might get hurt, Quintana wasn't the top of the list. Right. you got guys like Verlander and Scherzer, and then Carrasco has missed some time. You know, for me, I just – we'll see. I just I, – I would be tempted to take the under on any – you know, how many starts is Verlander going to make? That's a guy who had a bad calf at the end of last year. Yeah. Serzer hasn't finished a season healthy in a couple of years. So you already got Quintana starting off slow. I'm just telling you that the Mets need a lot of things to go right health-wise. They're going to stay in this race with the Braves and the Phillies. Yeah, and I think they know that. I think everybody else in the division knows that as well. It's going to be a fun division to follow. I think we've said that the last three or four off-seasons, knowing that this NL East, there's probably more talent in three of the five teams that there are in a handful of other divisions around Major League Baseball. The interesting development this year is you don't play as many head-to-head games, so you don't get it. You don't get 19 against the Mets. You get, what, 12 or 13 now. Yeah, yeah. So that does change the landscape a little bit, but I think all three of those teams know that they're just one or two big pieces away from that thing You know, totally changing what the landscape of the division could look like. Yeah, and this this might have been one of the, f- the few years where I'd sit there and say, you know, I wouldn't mind you know getting 19 Braves-Mets games or 19 Braves-Phillies right. games from an entertainment entertainment standpoint mm-hmm. i think every team can sit here and agree well it's probably easier to get some wins when you're going to play the pirates the cubs or the reds uh, a little more often or going to play you know the some weaker teams in the al central like the detroit tigers getting them on the schedule so 
I'm I'm curious to obviously see how the division plays out, and and part of me as a baseball fan, you know, wants to see as few injuries as possible. But I do think, I mean, like I I know Soroka's got the hamstring. I know Wright's working off the shoulder, and you know nobody's going to make it out of spring training fully unscathed. But I do think the Braves are in a good place, not just from a talent and a youth standpoint. You don't have a bunch of older guys uh, who you're relying on for the most part. You know, Charlie Morton, you know, maybe being the exception there. But they also have got some pretty good depth as well. I mean, I feel, I mean, look, I, I know we talked about Ian Anderson's had a better start. Uh, his last time struck out uh, five batters uh, in his two and a third innings. And furthermore, Bryce Elder looked pretty good his last time out. So, mm-hmm. And I think both those guys will be starting multiple games for the Braves just because of the nature of what baseball is today. And, you know, you got people who got to take some time off or injuries happen. And, you know, you're usually going at least seven or eight deep over the course of a rota- or over the course of the season inside your rotation. Yeah, if you're going seven or eight, things are actually probably you going actually pretty feel well pretty good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a successful. That's a big. Yeah, a I successful mean, sign me up. Season, no doubt about it. A couple of WBC games have already been uh, concluded today. You had Japan over China eight to one. Extra innings. How about Team Italy knocking off Cuba six to three? They scored four in the top of the tenth. Mike Piazza's ball club playing some ball. Cuba off to an zero and two start. Yeah, and I, I I was listening to some people who are much more you know. Uh, better informed than I am on on the rosters of these international teams. I've heard a lot that Cuba isn't quite what you might expect, just because they've had a lot of defections yeah. and, and a lot of their big guys are not playing. I think the only two from a from a brand name standpoint, uh, I'd have to check this, but Luis Robert uh, and Yoel Mancada from the White Sox are really kind of the two big names there. So it's it's not the typical Cuban team, and I, and I think we've seen some of that obviously with, with their starting pool play. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you have it in front of you, but I want to see what pool what happens in Pool D. Because Pool D is freaking stacked for the World Baseball Classic. That is not the U.S.'s pool. Um, I know they got Puerto Rico in there. I'm trying to see who else, who else we got in here, but um, it should it should be really stacked for yeah. what, what Pool D has to offer. Well, Puerto Rico's got a good roster. You wouldn't know it by looking at the score today, though. Max Freed is having a good outing against Team Puerto Rico in an exhibition game. We'll tell you what Freed has done and what kind of offense he's got behind him as we continue after this. You're tuned into the Braves Clubhouse Report right here on The Fan. The Braves Clubhouse Report on 680 The Fan. Cold months in the South mean that rodents, critters, and pests are trying to find a way into your warm house. Luckily, you can trust the pros at Aero Exterminators to keep your home pest-free inside and out. Aero protects homes and businesses and is the official pest control provider of Truist Park and the Braves. So you know you're getting the best from the best. To set up a free pest inspection, call 888-GO-AERO or visit AeroExterminators.com. Meet Harper, teammate at Truist. Hello. She was born to care and always had your back. Like the time her friend's bumper car took a gnarly hit. Oh, no. His retainer went flying, but Harper caught it before it got crushed. Today, Harper's a teammate at Truist, the bank with Truist One checking. With no overdraft fees, a $100 negative balance buffer, and automatic upgrades, Truist One checking has your back, too. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. $100 negative balance buffer. Eligibility requirements apply. Truist Bank member FDIC. Now, here's more Braves talk from inside the clubhouse. This is the Atlanta Braves Clubhouse Report, presented by Arrow Exterminators, on the home of the Braves, the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Typically with you Wednesdays, 2 to 2.30, but bump back to Thursday this week. This is the Braves Clubhouse Report. He's Wiley Ballard. I'm Kevin McAlpin with you to the bottom of the hour. Chuck and Chernoff will follow us coming up at 2.30. Meanwhile, Wiley split squad action for the Braves taking place as we speak. And if you're looking for Braves baseball, of course, all the games on our family of stations, including 680 on the weekends, 
Braves Radio Network as well. You'll get Ben Ingram, Joe Simpson, Jim Powell, Nick Green on the game today with Ben. And uh, good signs uh, coming out of uh, Cool Today Park in Northport. Wiley, it's 6 nothing Braves over Puerto Rico. They bat in the bottom of the fourth. And I tell you that to tell you this, that everyone in the Braves lineup in the bottom of the fourth with the exception of Marcelo Zuna, has at least one hit in today's game. I, look, I know you don't want to put too much in spring training games, but against a WBC team, that's a pretty encouraging sign for the Atlanta offense. Especially against a WBC team I was just hyping up in the last second. Right. So maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but but Pool D, it's Puerto Rico, uh, who's been the runners-up twice, including the last WBC. And then the Dominican Republic is in there as well. Venezuela, Ronald Acuna Jr. squad. Uh, Israel and Nicaragua are kind of the ones who drew a little bit of the short end of the stick having to compete with those three. But only two of those five are going to advance. So um, you play four games. If you win three out of your four, you feel pretty good about your chances uh, of advancing. And for those curious, uh, Pool C is where the U.S. is. Of course, the reigning champs uh, of the WBC. They are joined by Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. So, again, two of those five will advance, and uh, eight teams will make it in the quarterfinals, and then we're playing – uh, from that point forward. That's good. It's, it's going to be fun. There's no doubt. Next couple of weeks, you'll have uh, again, you'll have games all day. All day. Late yep. into the night. So if you're a night owl and you want to watch some baseball, uh, you'll get that chance later on tonight, as a matter of fact. By the way, Braves just scored again on an Austin <laughs> Riley double. Uh, here's what they've done offensively. Sean Murphy, RBI double in the first. Vaughn Grissom, RBI single to left fielder Eddie Rosario. That scored Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Ozzy Albies, ground rule double play. That plated two. And then Austin Riley with a couple of RBI base hits. Ozzy Albies, another RBI double. So the Braves offense really teeing off on Team Puerto Rico in Northport today. Meanwhile, split squad, the other half of the club up in Dunedin, taking on the Blue Jays. Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves here today, and they are down one nothing in the bottom of the fifth. So uh, for Strider, three and a third, one run, three hits, no walks, and five Ks. Ho-hum, just another day at the office for Spencer Strider. No, and you feel good about the top of the Braves rotation in the news here. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, you sometimes it, it's easy to forget how strong you are at that one and two spot because there's been so much talk about who's going to be the fifth starter and is Charlie Morton going to bounce back? Is Kyle Wright going to be healthy? But, you know, when you've got Freedon Strider, you, you're starting from a really good place. Um, and, and on top of that, uh, you know, I think Charlie Morton, too, I know he had some comments earlier this week, just, you know, I think he's just in a better place than he was a year ago uh, yeah. between the surgery uh, off, off the broken uh, bone and his, I think it was his tibia, uh, tibia or fibula. Uh, his leg. His let's leg. Just, let's leave with it that. with his leg, yeah. Um, you know, fracturing <laughs> that and then and then comes back and, you know, off-season surgery, can't build up. This is felt like a bit of a more normal off-season mm-hmm. on top of the fact that we're not dealing with a lockout uh, which shortened spring training last year. So I'm, I'm high on Charlie Morton's potential to bounce back. I know he's older. I get that. But it's still a guy who really knows what he's doing. He's had most of his success on the backside of his 30s. Uh, so he knows how to get ready. You know, I think the offseason surgery and the lockout impacted him last year. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy that you don't worry about him. I, I know Snit talks about guys that he just literally doesn't even have to check in on. He doesn't even have to pay them any yeah. worry. And a guy like Charlie Morton now at, what, 39 years old, entering his, gosh, what is this, his 15th, 16th major league season, you know he knows exactly what he needs to do to get his body right. And I'm with you. I think a normal offseason, a normal six weeks of spring training, and being able to get himself just back to where he needs to be look his numbers when you break them all down last season I know it probably wasn't what fans were looking for but 205 strikeouts in 172 innings when that curveball was on for Charlie Wiley it was unhittable no and it wasn't a decline in stuff 
whatsoever last year. Whatever reason, he wasn't able to land uh, his curveball or put it where he wants to, You know, whether that's strike to ball or, or dropping it in for a strike in an early in a count trying to steal a strike. He wasn't able to locate it, and that's a guy who traditionally um, you know, has been able to fine-tune that even during the season. You go back to what he was doing in around mid-June until about mid-August. He had a two-month stretch where he looked like the old Charlie Morton. Mm-hmm. So, again, for a guy who's, who's your fourth starter, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, and, and I'm also uh, excited to hear that Kyle Wright, the expectation is still that he'll be starting a game in one of those first couple of series. Yeah, it does look like St. Louis is probably yeah. more realistic as the Braves open up with three in D.C., then go to St. Louis before the home opener back here against San Diego. Hey, Kyle Wright is an interesting one, and I know a lot of fans, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, are going to start looking through box scores and go, well, I haven't seen Kyle Wright pitch yet, and I haven't seen a lot of at-bats from so-and-so, or maybe I haven't seen a lot of innings from this reliever. It doesn't mean they're not able to get their work in a lot of times the, the Braves do a nice job of you know setting up B games on the backfield and letting guys you know work on certain things and I think that very well could be the case for Kyle Wright where look if he makes three probably three is the max that he would make as far as starts are concerned you could keep him down there in Northport he could throw another simulated game there's your fourth start so you're probably 70 to 80 pitches by there and then you go to St. Louis and you can go 100 so I caution people to not get overly concerned that just because he hasn't gotten into game doesn't mean he doesn't have time to get himself ready to start the season. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we we, we come off three months of no baseball. We're, we're so desperate to, to see everything <laughs> and start, you know, making uh, judgments and opinions off of, of what we have going into the season. And, that, and that's part of the fun. That's why you and I are here. Um, but as, you know, not fun as it is to point out that we really aren't going to learn a whole lot outside of who's healthy and who's hurt over the next month. Right. Or I should say, I mean, at this point, what we're three weeks away, so from from opening day, so we're we're it's we're we're churning right through spring training, so that's that's good to know. But yeah, I mean, you just you know, there's gonna be a lot of information that you're not gonna have, and then you know, once you get in those first couple weeks of the regular season, then you can really start to see how things look. But for right now, uh, just excited to hear that Wright's progressing uh, at the timeline they hoped, and uh, you know, on track right now to start uh, one of those first six games. Well, I don't think we're breaking any news here, but Max Fried, obviously the ace of your rotation, <laughs> and uh, boy, he certainly has looked like it in spring training. Today against Puerto Rico, four scoreless, two hits, no walks, five strikeouts. He has a zero ERA through this point in spring training. He's made uh, just a couple of starts, but the strikeout numbers are great. You really like to see the, the stuff. I mean, it, it seems like this early in camp, he's throwing just about anything he wants in any count, and it's working on him. I feel really confident that three weeks from today, he'll be the guy on the mound. <laughs> yes, I, I feel as good as Spencer Strider has been. Uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be starting, uh, I would imagine, that Saturday after the off day on Friday. Uh, but I feel pretty confident Max Reed will get that opening day start. And, are we, are we getting to the point yet where, where teams are starting to announce? I haven't seen anybody announce their opening day starter yet. What, another week or two, maybe? Yeah, or? probably. You know, I, again, I, I think that uh, the one thing that I've learned about being at spring training is Snit will usually announce it without announcing it. And it, yep. basically the way he'll do that is go, okay, you guys can read a calendar just like I can. Uh, just count one, two, three, four, five, and then go forward <laughs> five more, and then go forward five more. Uh, oh, hey, look, Max Fried lines up to start opening day. Uh, Again, it, they'll they'll sort of tell you without officially telling you, if you know what I mean. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. Uh, I get, but I guess to be fair, Strider and Freed both starting today, so yeah. still still in line, still a chance. We will see how it all plays out. But both those guys having good starts. Freed against Puerto Rico, Strider against the Blue Jays in Dunedin. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. We'll check in with our buddy Matt Chernoff, and we'll turn you over to Chuck and Chernoff. That's coming up next, right here on the Fan. This is the Braves Clubhouse Report, exclusively on Six Eighty The Fan. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. 
I'm talking about the Xfinity 10G network. It delivers super fast internet to power a house full of devices with ultra low lag. And it's only getting faster. Now, Houston won't like me saying this, but this is bigger than the moon landing. You didn't hear it from me, though. Oh, we heard you, Neil. You did? Yeah, we hear everything, Neil. Introducing the 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. You're listening to the Braves Clubhouse Report, presented by Arrow Exterminators, exclusively on Atlanta's Sports Station, the home of the Braves, the fan. Final segment on this week's edition of the Braves Clubhouse Report. We'll join you next Wednesday in our normal scheduled spot, 2 to 2.30 here on The Fan. We'll check in with Chuck and Chernoff coming up in just a few moments. But, Wiley, we were talking about uh, some of the pitchers who are having themselves good days today in Max Fried and in Spencer Strider and a couple of guys on this Braves lineup. And, again, I don't know how closely you want to follow spring training stats, how much you want to put into stock of guys that are, are really swinging it well. But Matt Olson, boy, this weekend, a couple of home runs in Grapefruit League play. He's hitting a, a cool 533 with three homers so far. That is great to see. He, and I would have said this regardless if the numbers were good or bad at this point through spring training because, again, like we've talked about it, not going to put a whole lot of stock in him, but he kind of strikes me as a guy who, who kind of what Lindor did last year. You, know, you signed that big contract, you're, and especially in Matt's case, you're coming into a team that just won the World Series. You're coming in replacing the face of the franchise over the last 10 years. There, there, there's a lot of you know, pressures that are obviously going to be applied externally, but it's hard to avoid those internally, especially you know the impression I got from Matt was he – he was pretty, uh, felt pretty humbled and privileged to have the opportunity to play here in his hometown for the defending world champs. You're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, I think this year, and again, he had a pretty good season. I'll, I'll, you know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to sit here and say like he underperformed, but I would imagine there's going to be at least a little more freedom mentally from a pressure standpoint. Okay, I've been here for a year, kind of know the drill. You know, we had some success. I think he has a chance to go off. Uh, this coming season. I'm sure it's also kind of nice to have his old buddy Sean Murphy in the clubhouse as well. No question. 802 OPS. Yeah, what, yeah what a down year. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah that, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> 34 homers and 103 readies yeah, in his first like season. What a bum. Yeah, but again, like it's funny. That, I mean, having said that, though, I just remember like that, it, you know, the first couple months it was like he was pressing a little yeah. bit. And it's like, man, if he did that when he was pressing for a couple months, I mean, look, look what could be possible this year. Well, I think it's only human nature to put a little bit more yeah. pressure on yourself. You do get a humongous contract. You are set for life. And like you said, you're coming in after the face of the franchise, and there's some folks who probably were still a little upset about oh, it yeah. on opening day that were sitting in the stands uh, that took a little getting used to. So there was so many factors at play, but I've had some folks that I've bumped into around town at Max's Little League games that have been like, you know, just, is Matt Olson going to have a better year? And I'm like, 30 and 100. Yes. I'll, I'll I'll take it from my first baseman, you know, I, and, and to, to your point, I do think those numbers, especially from the OPS standpoint, I do think they'll go up. It was 9-11 a year before and then dropped to eight oh two. So there, there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited was, to see what, what he can do this year. And it was 9-11 in a graveyard right. of a park. Yeah. Now, I'll sit here and say the pitch in the NL East a little different than what they got in the AL West. Sure. So maybe, maybe that comes out in the wash. But, no, I, and, again, I think adding Sean Murphy to the mix – um, you know, hopefully getting a full Ronald Acuna back, uh, looking more like himself. You know, I think Matt could be poised for a big, big year. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, well, hello, yeah. Matt. Oh, you met Olsen. Well, no, I did. We no, always I think you're poised for a big year. Do you know what the weirdness of Matt's year was? The peaks and valleys. Uh -huh. I mean, it was like start the season red hot. Then there was this golf where you're like, what happened to him? Uh -huh. and then he would get hot again. And then it would just it roller coasted throughout the year. If he levels that off. And I think he's going to benefit from the new rules of the no shift allowed. Although we're already starting to see. Like, you saw what happened against Joey Gallo in one of the spring training games a couple of days ago. I put their left fielder, yeah. yeah. Left fielder shifted over like it's softball into short right field. So if you're Joey Gallo, for instance, 
if you dunked a ball into left field, it's an inside the park home run yeah. if you're able to do it. Well, he's got to put the ball in play first. Well, that was, that's been his biggest Achilles yeah. heel. No, and that, and, the, and that to me, man, I'm, I'm cool with that because the, the penalty there for the defense is, like you said, giving up an inside the park home run, whereas in the past it was just giving up an opposite field single. So, right. you know, if you want to take that risk from a defensive standpoint, I'm, that, that seems fair to me. But when you're, when you're just giving up the uh, soft hit single through the left side, it's not so, a, as severe a penalty. And, and right. Remember the, the rule is you've got to have two infielders and two outfielders yeah. on each side of second base. Yeah. You know what they're going to do once they realize you can skirt it this way. They'll sell you can have you can have an outfielder. It's got to be on you know the oh, no left doubt. side of second oh, no base. Uh-huh. Ramp, so. yeah, you can't have the rover anymore. Right. Correct. Hey, can I give you guys some quick numbers? I thought were very interesting from Jeff Passan this morning. Yeah, we'll be the judge. So you know we've been, we've talked a lot about the pitch clock and we've compared spring training games to regular season games, but he compared spring training numbers from last year to this year. I saw these; these are good. Time Boring. of ga- <laughs> a buck. Time of game last year in spring training was 301 around the around the game. How about 236 average Whew. around Major League Baseball this year? The one thing that hasn't changed though, the runs have actually gone up. 10 and a half runs per game last year, it's up to 11 this year. So you're getting more offense in shorter amounts of time. I'm all for this pitch clock. I'm curious to get some opinions from from the guys who are on the field, specifically on the mound, if if they they think the more offense. I mean, it's hard to draw too many conclusions from spring training because who knows what the competition is out there. But if if there is a feeling of of being a little rushed out there on the mound, if that if, if that affects command or control at all, yeah, I like some guys are already starting to manipulate it. I mean, you're yeah. watching Scherzer. Yeah. Oh, no doubt, the guys who can get a better feel for it quicker can use it for an advantage for themselves. Um, yeah, there will be a time where we see somebody giving the striker the ball, but if you're Scherzer and you can get inside somebody's head who's not in the box, then when he gets in, you, you quick pitch him. Like, Scherzer doesn't need more advantage. He might have it here. But, but if Scherzer's the kind of guy, I was thinking about this the other day, if he has to take a ball and, and just give one oh. up, he's going to do it. Sure. Like He's smart enough yeah. to know that, you know what, it's only a 1-0 count, and I can, I can come back and, and get this guy. So if something does go goofy, or if he has to take a balk in a certain situation, he knows he's good enough. He can get out of those. So I'm wondering if, if pitchers actually at times, guys, will try to use that to their advantage. I would think, again, what I'm curious about is late in games. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm for speeding the game up, but I'm also, maybe I'm a dinosaur in this respect. <laughs> There's something about the late innings of the drama, especially late in seasons, late in games, in the postseason, where when the pitcher has to step off the mound, take his cap off and wipe his brow, or the batter has to step out, Take a deep breath. There's something that adds to the drama of that that I hope we don't lose. Oh, it's theater. I mean, think about the biggest moments in the postseason, and it's it's you know every your your heart's already in your throat, and then you're having to wait an extra beat, and it just it, it's really hard to beat postseason baseball. And to your point, Matt, I think that could be a little different this year. So I think about you know one of the more famous moments in Braves history was the Cabrera hit, certainly in '92. I couldn't tell you. I bet there was so much dead time between. Stan Belinda making pitches and the foul ball and listening to Skip's call and the, the beat of the drum at, at Atlanta Fulton County. And the, like all of it added to what the moment was supposed to be. I know speeding it up will all get used to. We adapt to everything. I just hope it doesn't take away that extra little moment that we get. Did you see the video? And we'll, we'll get out of your way here in a second. Did you see the video of the at-bat between Granky and Albies? Yeah. And Jose Altuve ran seven inside the park home runs between pitches. Right, there's extremes. Don't get me wrong, and I'm all for avoiding the human yeah. rain delays on uh-huh. the mound and Nomar fixing his gloves 87 times when he steps out. But there's some middle ground in that. Yeah, no question. It'll be fun to see how it all plays out. What uh, speaking of playing out, what do you guys got coming up on the show today? Uh, we are going to start here in a moment with a another round of Ask the PD. Ooh. Yes, our boss Matt Edgar will be in here answering questions from the listeners. The only segment like this in Atlanta radio where you get to ask him anything about the radio station. If he ducks the question, we give you a prize. 
In other words, he cannot just, oh, I don't want to answer that or plead the fifth. He doesn't answer, you win. I didn't hear him duck anything last time, did he? He did well. He He did well. All right. Questions were good. So, yes, we'll have those all racked up, ready to go. All right, we're going to get out of the way then because I want to hear some of the answers to some of these big, important questions from Matt Edgar. That's going to do it for us, Wiley. We'll do it again next week. Appreciate the uh, the conversation as always, pal. Kevin, always a pleasure. And uh, this time next week, we'll be two weeks away from opening. There you go. All right, we're going to get out of the way. Chuck and Chernoff are next. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday at 2, right here on The Fan. Thanks for joining us for the latest on your Atlanta Braves on WCNN North Atlanta, a Dickie Broadcasting Station. Join the fan every Wednesday at 2 p.m. for all the latest news on your Atlanta Braves. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.